The CNBC app, global market news in one place. Customizable sections and personalized alerts. Stocks tracking, interactive charts and market insights all in your hands. Stay connected, stay informed. Download the CNBC app today. Preserve, protect and defend. The Constitution of the United States. The Constitution of the United States. So help you God. So help me God. Congratulations, Mr. Thank President. Welcome to Sportbox. President Joe Biden then putting uniting the nation at the heart of his inauguration speech, saying it's a day of victory and of hope. The will of the people has been heeded. We've learned again that democracy is precious. Democracy is fragile. And at this hour, my friends, democracy has prevailed. President Biden wastes no time getting down to business, signing 17 executive orders in his first minutes in office, many of which reverse Trump-era policies on the Paris Climate Accord and Muslim travel ban. Top of the agenda in the near term, though, tackling the pandemic. President Biden's first order asks Americans to mask up for 100 days as the U.S. reports a record number of COVID-related deaths. The equity markets bounce higher, hitting fresh highs on Inauguration Day, buoyed by the latest batch of strong corporate earnings. In terms of reaction, European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen telling CNBC the EU and the US are on the same page on tech regulation. And she sounded an optimistic tone about the next four years. I'm convinced that the United States will be attentively listening because uh, Joe Biden is, uh, has always been a politician who uh, was cherishing the rules-based order. So after all the pomp and ceremony, the reality, Joe Biden has been sworn in now as the 46th president of the United States. It was a ceremony marked by heavy security and reduced attendance. Biden takes the helm of a country that is reeling from a slew of issues, including a raging pandemic, an economic downturn and, of course, intense political strife. In his inaugural address, Biden vowed to usher in a new chapter for America, saying the country had passed a test of its democracy. This is America's day. This is democracy's day. A day of history and hope, of renewal and resolve. Through a crucible for the ages, America has been tested anew, and America has risen to the challenge. Today, we celebrate the triumph, not of a candidate, but of a cause, the cause of democracy. The people, the will of the people has been heard and the will of the people has been heeded. We've learned again that democracy is precious. Democracy is fragile. And at this hour, my friends, democracy has prevailed. Biden also called for a time of national healing, urging Americans to unite behind an effort to solve the country's problems. History, faith and reason show the way, the way of unity. We can see each other not as adversaries, but as neighbors. We can treat each other with dignity and respect. We can join forces 
Stop the shouting and lower the temperature. For without unity, there is no peace, only bitterness and fury. No progress, only exhausting outrage. No nation, only a state of chaos. This is our historic moment of crisis and challenge. And unity is the path forward. Meanwhile, Biden promised to work with U.S. allies and fix international relationships. America has been tested and we've come out stronger for it. We will repair our alliances and engage with the world once again. Not to meet yesterday's challenges, but today's and tomorrow's challenges. And we'll lead not merely by the example of our power, but by the power of our example. We'll be a strong and trusted partner for peace, progress and security. For so many reasons, then, this was an inauguration uh, very different to the ones we've seen in recent years, not just for the fact that President Trump did not attend. Uh, there was no presence, um, except for Mike Pence, of course, from the previous administration. Um, but the other reason, of course, was the, the slimmed down nature, the COVID appropriate nature of this event with flags rather than people in the mull. Uh, and of course, the president acted very quickly with these executive right. orders immediately after the inauguration. It, it I, felt very still, didn't it? It felt very quiet and very still, despite uh, the fact that you had some headline singers, uh, some headline acts. It just didn't have the, the same level of hype and attention that the, the Trump inauguration did. And uh, clearly a sign of the times, uh, the, the social distancing, uh, discouraging people from turning up, of course, and putting the flags there instead. So quite a different uh, time in history, I think, this, this year will mark. Well, of course, we have our perception from here in Europe, but let's find out how it went down uh, with people in the United States. NBC's Alice Barr joins us now from Washington. Alice, tell us a little bit more about the reaction there to the inauguration process and how people feel it went down at home. Jeff, well, you know, I was listening to all of those clips that you just played, uh, stringing together some of the highlights from the speech this morning and uh, or at noon today. And, you know, I've covered uh, this campaign. I've covered this um, transition period. These are themes that now President Biden has um, dwelled on time and again. He began his presidential campaign even back during the early days of the uh, the Democratic primary with this message of unity and of restoring the soul of America. And early on, uh, he wasn't getting a lot of traction. And uh, that maybe wasn't the message that some in it, particularly the more left uh, progressive wing of the party wanted to hear. But Joe Biden has never strayed from that message. Um, and today, I really think was a moment when many people in this country uh, wanted to hear that. And maybe even some that weren't ready to receive um, this 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 call to unity maybe wanted to hear it today, particularly given what we've been through in just the past two weeks, uh, precisely two weeks ago today, when there was the the riot, the violent riot at the Capitol. And then one week later, uh, the impeachment of President Trump. You know, it's been uh, a tough go uh, for some time now in the United States. And uh, this has always been sort of President Biden's um, 
uh, persona that he sort of is that consoler in chief, and he um, really appealed to Americans' better nature and and tried to say we can do this, we can make the decision to not uh, tear each other down. You know that uh, he said something to the effect that politics does not have to be a raging fire. We don't have to burn each other down. We can choose to take a step back and de-escalate a little bit. And so I think there are many here in America who are sort of hungry for that message and hungry for something that uh, feels like a bit of a cooler temperature than what we've seen for some time now. Jeff. Alice Bath, thank you very much for staying up late to join us. I uh, very much agree with that assessment around the tone of the speech, Jeff, the, the 21 minutes that transpired. No surprises as such, but reassuring messages. In some ways, I felt as though he wasn't just speaking to Americans. He was speaking to an international audience, too, about the role that America will again take on the global stage. Yeah, I mean, the, the question is really deeds over words. And I think um, every president that comes in offers words of uh, consolation, conciliation and unity. And, and that's pretty much as pat because elections are very divisive events. And inevitably, this one has been probably the most divisive we've seen in, in recent decades. But the reality is he then went on to sign 17 executive orders that effectively rolled back in key policy areas all the things that President Trump had begun to put in place over the last four years. So there will be those, you know, almost 50% of the electorate who are Republican who question the legitimacy of this presidency who will be asking themselves, is, the, is this actually, in terms of deed, the right tone to be setting for this administration. I did wonder whether the speed of the executive actions was a, a messaging uh, moment, trying to, to send the message that this president too is a doer, even though he has a quieter, more reassuring tone that, than President Trump had. Uh, you know, Trump love or hate him, he was certainly seen as a president that brought about change. And I wonder whether the speed of the, the signings yesterday was a, an early messaging that I too will be a president that makes things happen very, very quickly. Um, that was just one of my takeaway messages. But also I thought it was very Interesting, the gentlemanly uh, acknowledgement of the letter that was left behind by Trump, but without going into detail around the contents of that letter. So there was no real disclosure that we would have seen in the past around those communications. Well, it, I mean, he may be banned from Twitter, but at least he can put pen to paper and come up with an old-fashioned letter. <laughs> exactly. Another news, the Biden administration has hit out at China for imposing, quote, unproductive and cynical sanctions against former Trump administration officials. And this after Beijing announced sanctions against 28 top Trump personnel, including former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo and ex-Trade Chief Peter Navarro. Biden's national security spokesperson accused Beijing of exploiting divisions between U.S. Democrats and Republicans and urged both parties to condemn the move. The departed President Trump skipped the inauguration ceremony, as we've mentioned, leaving the White House early in the morning. Trump spoke just before leaving Washington, wishing the new administration success. I will always fight for you. I will be watching, I will be listening, and I will tell you that the future of this country has never been better. I wish the new administration great luck and great success. And as we pointed out, um, one of the first things that uh, the newly inaugurated president did was to sign 17 executive orders 
in the White House rolling back Trump-era policies on a range of issues. The actions include a call for Americans to wear masks along with a reinstatement of ties to the World Health Organization. Uh, Biden signed a letter to re-enter the Paris Climate Accord and ceased a travel ban for people from several Muslim-majority countries. He also extended a moratorium on evictions and continued a pause on student loan payments. Michael Starr Hopkins joins us, political strategist uh, for uh, uh, and former Obama and Hillary Clinton campaign advisor. Michael, very good morning. Thank you for, for joining us here. Can I just ask you about that question of the executive orders? Because um, this is a presidency where there is a majority now for the Democrats uh, in both Congress and the Senate. Does it set a bad tone to the beginning of the presidency that on key policy issues we've seen Joe Biden sign executive orders rather than take this to the people elected by the American public? No, this is something that happens at the beginning of every presidency, whether it be President Obama, President Trump, or now President Biden. Executive orders are a way to get uh, policies pushed through and get them uh, done on day one. You know, this is no different than when President Trump uh, issued his executive orders on the first day. Now, President Biden is doing the same thing. And in fact, some of those are reversing some of the horrible uh, proposals like the Muslim ban, for example. Having said that, and and we saw them, I I think, come into their own in the Obama administration, where clearly President Obama struggled uh, because of the split in the houses to to get any real progress on a lot of key policy issues. So they've become um, used more often in recent presidencies. But again, I'll come back to that. Given that there is a wide swathe of the American population that doesn't even believe President Biden won this election, do they not continue to raise questions about legitimacy of the political process? Well, the only questions that were raised about legitimacy were done by President Trump, and it's something that did damage to the democracy. Well, now President Biden is going to heal that democracy by bringing the country together. And using executive orders is nothing uh, in terms of attempting to divide the country in the way that President Trump did. It's normal course of business. When there's legislation to put forth, He'll put it forth, but where he can use executive orders to improve people's lives by pausing student loans, by pausing eviction moratoriums, he'll do that as well. Can I ask you about uh, one of the big measures uh, that uh, may have some impact for the business community, and that's around a minimum wage. And there's been much debate about how you heal some of the divisions in equality, and that's obviously widened during this pandemic, the wealthy that keep on building wealth. And we've heard that from Janet Yellen in recent days. Can $15 an hour minimum wage be a unifying force across the country, or do you think partisan politics may still hamper this issue? You know, this is an area where I think politics has no place. If you look at the minimum wage, if the minimum wage had increased over time uh, and been pinned to inflation, we would be somewhere around $25. So the idea that we're going to pay Americans $15 minimum wage so that they can have a living wage and be able to you know, keep their lights on and keep food in their fridge and make sure their kids can go to safe schools, that seems like a no-brainer.
The other big agenda is around the climate change agenda. And we've seen uh, the re-signing of the Paris Accord, the re-entering that agreement by the Americans now, but also uh, the removal or pulling back from the Keystone project, uh, the pipeline project. What will the first 100 days achieve on the, the environmental agenda? You know, President Biden's going to set the tone when it comes to the environment. We only get one planet. And so when it comes to climate change, we've got to be aggressive. You know, just like President Biden is going to deal with the coronavirus and making sure that we're adequately responding, we need to do the same with climate change because once this planet's gone, we have no place to go. So it's the next crisis. Uh, and Michael, just let me ask you about the um, the issues around uh, immigration. One, we had the rolling back of the ban on uh, some Muslim countries allowing their people into the United States. We also have uh, the first steps on the issue of the wall and, and perhaps rescinding the approach that President Trump has taken here. And yet, for many Americans, this question of illegal immigration into the United States is a very real one, particularly where they border other countries like Mexico. Do you think um, that uh, President Biden is acting appropriately to move so quickly on these issues, given that perhaps they need a more fulsome conversation across the American people? Let's be very clear. President Biden was elected by the American people and he has a mandate, has a right to use that mandate. Now, people need to come to America legally. But what we also need to do as Americans is to build an immigration system uh, that works and that shows some compassion. We've got millions of Americans uh, and individuals who are here or brought here by their parents who need a sense of stability and security. And so it's well past time for us to give the dreamers and give those who need aid that help. Can I ask you about the pandemic? Over 400,000 Americans have died because of COVID-19. Oh, we've heard this mandate about masking up across the country, but there's still a fight playing out about the rollout of vaccines. States blaming the federal system, federal system playing the states, and also some blame attributed to some of the, the uh, companies administering uh, the vaccine rollout as well. How do you think Biden brings unity to this vaccine process and ultimately some speed in the administering of that inoculation? Well, part of addressing coronavirus is first believing the scientists. And so what this administration is going to do that the last administration didn't is allow scientists to lead. And so that means trusting scientists to know when and where we should best deploy vaccines, how we should go about doing that, and then allowing them to do their jobs. You know, one of the biggest mistakes that was made when it comes to coronavirus isn't the fact that it came to the United States. I think we can all agree that was inevitable, but it was the failed response. It was the months of telling people that it was a hoax and that there was nothing to worry about. And so we lost a lot of time. Well, now President Biden and his administration are playing catch up. And so it's gonna take a little while, but I, I confidently believe that the American people will be safe and we will get vaccines distributed all across the country. Michael, just one last question on the, uh, the nature of the Democratic Party going forward here. It's a very slim majority in the Senate at this point. It would only take one or two centrist Democrat senators perhaps to give Joe Biden problems getting legislation through both houses. Um, just talk to us a little bit about the state of the Democrat Party at the moment. Is there a risk here that uh, the party becomes a little complacent and divisive uh, given uh, the perceived um, uh, majorities in both houses? You know, I think this is less, uh, less about Democrat and Republican 
and more about Americans' desire to get things done. You know, as we saw on January 6th, uh, we are a nation that uh, is going through a cultural shift uh, and one that's really dealing with the fallouts of the last four years and the language and rhetoric of the last four years. And so I think more than anything, what you're going to see is Democrats and Republicans try to find issues that they agree on and where we can agree, put legislation forth. You know, as President Biden said, we're not going to agree on everything, but that doesn't mean we have to be at war with each other. And so I think that tone, that leadership is something that you're going to see not only coming from the White House, but coming from Congress as well. Michael Starr Hopkins, thank you very much for joining us, political strategist and former campaign advisor to Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton. Uh, so we've had all sorts of reaction around the world to the inauguration uh, here in Europe. Ursula von der Leyen talked at length about the outlook for the relationship between the EU and the United States under Joe Biden. Sylvia conducted that interview. We're going to hear a lot more about what she had to say when we come back. And for more on President Biden's inauguration and his administration's first full day in office, you can check out the Squawk Box podcast. Ambition to me is about doing better. I think ambition creates a pathway. The best advice I can give someone starting off a career is don't have a career, have lots of careers, try loads of different things. Talk to people and put your ambition out there. I don't feel that I've hit peak ambition because it's a learning journey. CNBC is where ambition meets opportunity. What does living ambitiously mean to you? Hear it from our CNBC anchors, reporters and global business leaders on CNBC.com. a strong response to inauguration on the day that uh, we've seen President Biden take office. Stock stateside rallied to records. Asia picking up on that trend and uh, records across some of these markets early in the session as well. At the extent of the gains, Japan up eight tenths of a percent. Don't forget it's around multi-decade highs at this level. A little bit of a fade for Hong Kong now as we check on it at this hour, down a third of a percent. Stronger for China, 1.1 percent pop. And Australia also around those records has put another eight tenths of a percent or 53 points. At the opening calls in Europe, but let's just see what we're in store for after a day yesterday where we were a little bit mixed again across the board. We're up seven-tenths of a percent uh, broadly and we are chasing more green as you can see in lockstep right across the board. So a lot of the green has been a little bit challenging to hold on to in the European markets in the last week or so, but uh, this looks like a very strong start uh, on its way today. The US markets very much inspiring some of that mood music and it was fresh intraday records that we witnessed and records on the finish for all three major indices. And in terms of the big drivers, some of them were big technology names. Microsoft, for instance, one of the big drivers for the Dow in session. Apple for the S&P and it was Amazon for the Nasdaq. So three major big stocks moving just in terms of what we could be in store for. Worth noting some of the fun facts that have been put forward from our US colleagues overnight, uh, looking at the extent of the rally that we saw under former presidents and what we saw under uh, the Obama administration, a 65% pop on the Dow. That was firmer than the 
7% we've had under Trump. And when it comes to the S&P 500, we had a 75% gain under Obama, 68% uh, since uh, Donald Trump took office. So just uh, whether there are more gains in store because of uh, Biden's policies and a monetary backdrop, uh, that's a big question for markets at this stage. I want to peel away from this board and take a look at the big technology names. Netflix driving a lot of the uh, appetite for work from home stocks again. We saw the, the company talking about being free cash flow positive and not requiring as much uh, debt uh, at this stage. And uh, what you saw, a big pop in the stock, initially up about 18%, holding on to the double digits up 16% by the finish. And for the other major stocks, you can see 5% on Alphabet, the owner of Google, very strong move. Amazon up 4.5%. So markets are cheering the arrival of Biden, that reflation trade very much back on yesterday as uh, the day transpired. Yeah. A couple of things I just want to point out very quickly, and I think our audience uh, are pretty smart. They'll look at the way the market behaved yesterday, and they'll see that as euphoria around the inauguration event and around the prospect of fresh stimulus at this point. But I know they dig deeper, and they would want us to dig deeper as well. So just near term, a couple of things that are on the radar screen. One is we've got the initial jobless claims numbers today. So we'll get another look at how well or badly the uh, job situation is in the United States. And it was a shocker last time round. You'll remember 965,000 as opposed to the 787,000 that had been penciled in by the economists. Expectations today, 930,000. A reminder of the task ahead of this administration when it comes to the state of the economy. But the other thing I just wanted to point out, and um, thank you to Peter Tugut, who sort of um, put me on to this, but just what we're seeing in terms of um, insider selling at this point. This is the executives in companies who are using the current spike in share prices as an opportunity to sell some stock and take some profits. And you always have to ask yourself, why are they doing it at this point? Could be all sorts of personal reasons. They're getting divorced. They want to buy a new boat. They want to buy a new Lamborghini. Who knows? But when you see the spike, you have to take notice of it. And since the beginning of the year, that's just in 2021, so 21 days, $300 million worth of stock has been bought back in the United States. It um, effectively means we now have the highest monthly reading on this data series going back to 1988. Run alongside that the fact that these very same executives have also basically signed off on $29 billion worth of buybacks, a 46% spike on where we were this time a year ago. And you can see that there's a little bit of frenzy going on here. Mm. What do we need to do to get the mm. share price up at this point? Let's buy back some shares because that's a more intelligent way of using any surplus capital at this point than perhaps trying to push it into economic activity when we've got the state of the US economy as it is at the moment here. So just a couple of things to flag up that I think the audience needs to think about as they wonder whether they should be chasing these stocks higher. The C-suite uh, very apt at reading animal spirits uh, and we've seen over the course of the last several years how quickly those spirits can change. Uh, you may recall that uh, when Trump was first elected there was a, an element of dismay about just how uncertain some of the policies could be and then euphoria that the policies were looking fairly market friendly and you saw uh, a lot of enthusiasm 
enthusiasm in the C-suite, then of course some of that faded over the course of time around trade wars and other issues that cropped up. At this stage, I think the C-suite might be taking a step back and saying, well, there's a very strong euphoric reaction that the change in administration at this point is reflected in the stock market, but not everywhere. And it was quite telling yesterday that if this reflation trade is well and truly back on, why did we not see US 10-year yields move? Mm. They stayed below that 1.1% mark. They didn't much higher mm. with records on the stock market. And the other point is we have seen very simplistic analysis, uh, as you point out at the start, around this reflation and the spending measures. What about tax and regulation? If we are genuinely going to see a recovery, surely those are components of the Biden uh, policy agenda start to come into the mix as well and have some impact on the stock market trade. That may not be analysed to an extent by investors, but I think the C-suite is taking that into consideration. Yeah, I mean, it just raises, uh, you know, Look, our audience is smart enough to know that uh, quite often um, when you see one thing happening in the market, you should run for the hills or you should do the opposite here. And I just think to come back to the point about executives at this stage and the actions that the C-suite are taking, I mean, is it too cynical to say they are proposing effectively, you buy my stock while I start selling it? I know that's um, perhaps over-egging the situation given the imbalance of the two numbers here. But when you do see that level of insider selling, you begin to wonder why they're encouraging the market to buy their stock as they're dispensing with it. Another interpretation, are we embarking upon more M&A? You know, we've seen an era where it has been necessary for some of these companies to bulk up to gain more market share by acquiring uh, competitors, whether those competitors are under a little bit of pressure because of the pandemic or not. But typically an acquirer can see the stock price fall because they're making that acquisition, whereas the praise starts to, to rally. But perhaps it's a signal about the sort of M&A that some of these C-suite executives want to embark upon in 2021. Isn't that amazing? They always buy at the top of the market. Right. right. I mean, when the share price is down here, nobody wants to do M&A. When the share price is up here, everybody thinks M&A is a really good idea. Access to capital markets to fund the deal. Uh, it takes a whole lot longer to justify the value of the deals, doesn't it? Which is why a lot of academic studies suggest that most M&A actually is destructive to value rather than creative. Anyway, we'll move on here. We've got a whole lot of news to tell you about. Uh, Ursula von der Leyen has joined other world leaders uh, to congratulate Joe Biden. She told CNBC that she's looking forward to working with the new administration on a shared goal of regulating big tech. I'm convinced that the United States will be attentively listening because uh, Joe Biden is, uh, has always been a politician who uh, was cherishing the rules-based order. And what we do basically is putting rules in the online world that we do already have in the offline world. And this playing by rules that are democratically legitimate, that is for me important, that's for Joe Biden important, and therefore I think uh, we are on the same page. Ursula von der Leyen. We'll go to CNBC.com for more on the European Commission President's comments, including what she had to say about tackling fake news. Thank you for listening to Squawk Box Europe Express. For more market-moving news, you can head to CNBC.com. Or join us again on the show with Jeff Cutmore, Steve Sedgwick and Karen Show Weekdays on CNBC.